you have your Bibles, you can turn in Romans 3. Before we actually look at the verses for today, I want to talk to you about something just by way of introduction. I want to talk to you about the voice. The voice, uh, not the reality TV show where singers are trying to make it big, um, but I want to talk about the voice that's inside most of our heads. Okay, most of us have this voice, um, and this voice, it says things to us. It says a lot of things to us. Um, If you want to summarize the theme of this voice over time, the voice essentially says that you are not blank enough. Okay? That's what this voice says. You have this voice? I do. This voice says you're not blank enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not productive enough. You're not successful enough. You're not attractive enough. You're not popular enough. This voice tells you that because of these things, your life doesn't matter. This voice tells me, it may tell you, you don't matter. And this voice, the problem with this voice is that this voice has evidence. <laughs> this voice is convincing, right? This voice is like the prosecuting attorney who reads all of your emails and sees all of your search history with Google. This voice has all of the evidence of every thought that you've ever had, every action you've ever taken, every word you've ever spoken, right? And this voice points out your faults. It points out your failures. It points out your laziness. It points out your lack of progress. It points out the fact that you're in the same place now than you were five years ago, 10 years ago. This voice points out that you love all kinds of things that are not God. And this voice never leaves us alone. This voice is also never satisfied. Do you know this voice? Folks are back there uh, in the AV booth, right? And there's a there's kind of a soundboard there with all these different channels of sound and things that you can you sort of raise up and go down with the different types of, you know, with volume. And for some of us, this voice is on 10. For others of us, this voice might be 7, maybe 4, right? But this voice seems like something that just, it never leaves us alone and it's never satisfied. And here's the biggest problem that we have with this voice, Here's the biggest problem that we have, is that we think that this voice is God. We think that that voice that plays in our heads is actually the voice of God, and that this is God's heart toward us. These are God's thoughts toward us. And that is a huge, huge problem, because actually, actually, this voice is a mixture of lots of different things. Okay? Sometimes this voice is our conscience, holding us to whatever standard we think is right. Sometimes this voice is actually our insecurities speaking to us. Sometimes this voice is our sinful desires. Uh, sometimes this voice is our inordinate desires. Our, um, sometimes this voice isn't even coming from inside of us, but it's coming from the culture outside. 
And sometimes this voice is actually the devil or a demonic force that's trying to tempt us to do things. And so to summarize, this voice that's in your head, if you could connect to anything that I've just described, this voice that's in your head is the world, it is your sin, and it's the devil. Sometimes all three, sometimes one, sometimes two. But here is, I think I already said the most important thing, but this is even more important than what I said before. Um, the thing that's key about this, it's related to what I said before, is that this voice in your head is not God's voice. This is not God talking to you. This is not how God talks to you. This is not who God is or what God thinks. That voice is not God. And what you need to know today, what we all need to hear, is that if God doesn't speak If God doesn't speak to us, that voice, that voice that's in our heads, will become our God. It will take over and control more and more and more of our lives. If God doesn't speak, then in different ways, our lives will become a rat race, like a treadmill that we will never be free of. But God has spoken. Okay, we actually do have God's voice. God speaks into our lives. God speaks into our minds and our hearts to silence that voice and to replace it. And this changes everything. This brings us into what we're calling in this series a new now, where everything in the present is different. And so in the verses that we're going to look at today, we're going to hear God's voice, and we're going to have a chance to let God's voice replace this other voice that's in our heads. And we're going to get a chance to choose between the two voices. We're getting an opportunity to choose which voice we want to allow to control our lives. Both voices speak and describe both bad news and good news, and God's voice is so much different. It's so much different. And so first I want to talk about the bad news. This is the problem. I want to talk about the voice inside of us first. Um, The voice inside of us, the one that says you're not good enough, This voice, the voice in your head, isolates and separates. Okay? This voice isolates you and it separates you from others. This is the voice that tells you you're not good enough, but it tells you not only that you're not good enough, but that you're worse than everybody else. Um, This voice says, you know what? Nobody else deals with this like you. You're broken. No one struggles like this. Um, Yeah, there are other people that have struggles. Yeah, nobody's perfect, but not like you. Like what you deal with, like you're worse. Uh, We've talked about this already in terms of how this voice talks to us, but, but the contrast, the contrast, how does God's voice speak about the bad news? Well, God's voice speaks in a way that unites and connects. Okay, let me show you what I mean. Look at Romans 3, verses 22 and 23. They're in your bulletin. This is what God's voice says. God's voice says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned. You see that? God's voice says, There's no distinction, for all have sinned. See, the voice in our heads isolates us. It separates us from others. But God's voice actually joins us to others. God's voice includes us with others. 
God's voice says, yeah, your insecurities, everyone has them. There is no distinction. God's voice connects us to other people. It says we are all in the same boat. We are all alike. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. So even in the bad news, God's voice brings good out of the bad in our lives. If you have sinned, welcome to the family. If you have sinned, you are just like everyone else who is sitting here. You might not believe me, but it's true. It's true. And and, and this is why our church, it's so important for our church to be a community where we are all well acquainted with our own sins. We've got to be very, very acquainted with our own sins. We have to embrace our brokenness and know it well, not because we are morbidly obsessed, right? We're not morbidly obsessed with stuff that's wrong with us, but because we have to be a community of people who aren't surprised by the struggles of others. For us to not relate to others who struggle ruthlessly with their sins is ignorance at best and hypocrisy at worst. For us to not relate to others who are controlled by their sins and their desires is ignorant at best and hypocritical at worst. If you can't relate to the sins and the struggles of others, then you're either, oh man, I'm not trying to be harsh here, but this sounds really harsh, but it's so important for us to hear the harshness of this call. If you can't relate to the struggles of others with sin, then you are either ignorant or you're a hypocrite. Because when we can't relate to the sins and the struggles of others, when we can't show them that we understand what it's like to have things going on inside of us that God does not want, does not like, and yet be able to do nothing about it, when we don't, when we're not fully acquainted, when we're not, when we can't identify with the experience of saying, this is in me and I hate it and I don't know what to do about it because everything I've ever tried to do doesn't change a thing. If we can't relate to people at that level, then we will isolate them. Then we'll convince them that that voice in their head that is not God actually is the voice of God because it's now being heard by someone in the church. Even if we can't identify with their specific sins, We have to identify with the struggle to battle with and be unsuccessful and be frustrated and feel hopeless. Friends, this is why most of the people in the LGBT community who want God don't want the church. Because we act and we talk like we don't understand what it's like to have stuff inside of us that isn't part of God's design. We talk and we act like we don't have an orientation that is flawed and fallen from God's design. Man, all of us have things that we are born with that are out of step with God. All of us have things that we have to cut out of our hearts and cut off from our lives. 
Right? Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. He's talking to everybody. There is no distinction. For all have sinned. I mean, our church isn't full of heterosexual men and women who are sexually pure. We're not pure. We don't have God's faithful, monogamous, sexual orientation. And so why would we act toward others like they're different from us? And it's not just the gay community, but everyone needs to be able to hear and experience in our church a community where we all know and we all hear other people say, my anger drives me to do awful things. Man, I can't get through the weekend without getting drunk or getting high. And every time I'm in this situation, I make this bad decision and I'm enslaved. My struggle is so difficult. There are things inside of me. I feel like I'm hardwired not to follow what God has said in the Bible. I mean, even just like I struggle to forgive. I can't not judge other people. I mean, maybe, maybe the starting point for you today is to be able to say, gosh, if what you're saying is true, then inside of me there's an unwillingness to identify with the struggles of other people. Like, I'm broken that way. I'm flawed that way. We are all in the same boat. Some of us are just more aware of this than others. And God's voice, like the way God says this, he says this in a way that makes us a community. It, it, it makes us, it causes us to embrace this truth and embrace each other. That there is no distinction. That we have all sinned. And so God doesn't stop there. And this is exciting. Like it's, it's, it's amazing to me because if you were to ask anybody, and probably even most of you, oh gosh, what does the Bible say about sin? you'd go radically negative on it, right? But what God says here in this verse is something that unites us together. And then it goes farther. It doesn't just unite and connect us, but it actually inspires us to glory. That's what the rest of verse 23 says. Have you read it lately? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that sin is falling short of the glory of God. This is how the Bible talks about sin. And this is inspiring. It's inspiring because sin, it tells us sin isn't just not just breaking a law, but it's falling short of the glory of God. God's glory, what is that? Well, it's, ah, you know, did you get that? Did you write that down? That's normally how I feel when people talk about God's glory. Well, it sounded good when they were talking, but I have no idea what they said, and I have no idea what God's glory is. Okay, so let me try to bring it down to earth, even though it's a heaven and earth reality. God's glory is his glorious design for us and our lives. Okay, that's what God's glory is. It's his glorious design for us and our lives. It's a life where we are experiencing and sharing heaven on earth. That's God's glory. It's a life of meaning and purpose. It's a life of joy and love 
in the midst of all of life's brokenness. It's a life where our work matters, where our relationships matter. It's a life where we matter. And the glory of God is us living and shining as God's glorious images on earth, where people can see Jesus in us, where we are God's works of art, where we are shaping our lives in beauty and we're sharing God's excellence in beauty with others. And this is the glory of God. And so what our sin is, our sin is us falling short of that. And so our sin is not just, oh, hey, you broke the law here, or hey, you broke God, or God says here in this place over here, or God says here, you broke... I mean, that's, that's not how the Bible talks about sin. The Bible says that sin is falling short of. It's, it's actually fighting against the world that God has created and the world that God is renewing. The world has fallen. It's been cursed. We're going to see more of that in Romans 8. We see it every day and every week in our lives. Um, God is actively renewing the world. He is fixing what's broken. And when we sin, we fight against God's renewing plans. Man, that hit me. That hit me this week in a way that it just hasn't before. There's stuff that I don't struggle with. (laughs) There are sins that I just give into because it's too hard. It's too prevalent. The temptation is too ubiquitous. So what the, I mean, I just get sick and tired of fighting, like fighting against it. I get sick and tired of the fact that I've got desires that have to be constantly in check against. And I just get tired. I'm like, screw it. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And then I'm confronted with with God's voice. (laughs) This voice where God inspires me and he says, man, sin is falling short of my glorious design for you and your purpose on earth. And I'm thinking, God, this is not what you have made me to be. This is not me getting to live as a renewing power here in the world. And this phrase rescued me. Like this sentence reminded me that, yeah, the battle's worth it. And it's worth it. And so what we've talked about, this is the bad news, right? The voice inside us isolates us, it separates us, but God's voice unites and connects us. It inspires us to glory. And so can you see the difference? Man, all right, that's the bad news. Let's talk about the good news. The good news is the solution to the bad news, right? If the bad news is the problem, the good news is supposed to be the solution. And both voices actually have solutions. One solution makes things worse. The other solution makes things better, but both promise to make things better, right? Both promise the world. Um, I think one makes things, that makes things worse. Let's talk about first the voice in your head. The voice in your head, its solution Simply put, today in our age is be true to yourself. This is the solution that the voice inside us um, offers. And this is why it's really important for us to remember that the voice inside of us is sometimes coming from within us, it's sometimes coming from the world, sometimes coming from the devil. Okay? This is the gospel of the world. This is the good news that is being offered to you 
3,000 times a day in advertising, in billboards, in media, um, everywhere we look, this is the gospel of the world. You need to be true to yourself. No one can or should tell you what to do. You just need to accept yourself. That's the problem. The problem is that you haven't come to a place where you have accepted yourself. Just be whoever you are, whoever you want to be. That's the road to happiness. And if you do that, you'll be free. You'll be free. You're in charge. You are free. You're getting what you want. Being yourself, you're free to think that you're finally good enough doing what you want. The challenge is that this voice inside of us knows that this feeling of being true to yourself doesn't, doesn't last. It, it actually can't silence the other elements of its own voice that nag us and tell us that we're not good enough. And so it has to say more, and it does. Um, the voice inside of us also offers to us as a roadmap to happiness. It tells us this, hey, just get a little more. Get just a little more. Just a little more money and you'll be happy. Just one size smaller. You'll be happy. Just one more hit. This time, it's going to be awesome. The next sexual encounter, the next relationship, the next promotion will finally make you happy. This is the promise. And the last thing, the voice in your head, that voice that comes from the world, it comes from your sin, it comes from the devil, it has one more thing to say to us. It says this, it says, try harder. It says, try harder. And in this, I think, we see the wickedness of this voice unveiled. Because this is the place where its abusive nature is revealed. Okay, because here is when, when things don't work out, the voice in your head says, it's your fault. This is your doing. You didn't try hard enough. This is on you. You're a failure. And so we redouble our efforts. We're overcome with shame. We feel isolated again. And without knowing what else to do, we just sort of try harder. We try harder. We try to get a little bit more. But friends, all of this is a lie. Like all of this. There's truth like weaved in. There's enough truth to make it tantalizing. There's enough truth where you like, can have an experience. You're like, oh, I think this might be right. There's something that draws us into it. But can you see how this voice enslaves you? It drives you further and further away from God. One of our young leaders in the church said, said this. He said, no matter how much we know that what we're doing is wrong, it'll lead to harmful results, we do them anyway because they are great in the moment. And every time I do, I find myself regretting my decisions and having to face the consequences that could have been avoided if I had done it God's way. And it breaks my heart sometimes to see my generation, and especially my friends, live according to what the world is telling them is right. 
I see my friends being told it's okay to have sex with whoever they want, dress however they want, speak their mind wherever and whenever and to whomever without considering their feelings. And it makes me so sad. I know that all these things are not going to produce a full and happy life, and I can actively see it affecting them in negative ways. But what makes me even more sad is that my voice is not stronger than the voice of all society deeming what is right and what is wrong. So all I can do is pray and leave it up to the Lord. It's good. It's good. Um, I would add to the prayers that you, if you have experienced God's voice, you can also begin to share God's voice with others. And so what does God have to say? What is the solution from God's voice? Well, it's verse 24. Verse 24, it says, There's no distinction for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. And God's voice is so different. God's voice begins with the word justification. This word justified in verse 24 what God's voice says to us says, I forgive and accept you. This is what God says. God's voice says, I forgive and accept you. And this is what justification is. God says, look, the answer is not to further enthrone your thoughts or your desires or your personality or your orientation. The answer is to come with brutal honesty to me with who you really are and find forgiveness. The answer is to come to me, the only one whose acceptance of you can change everything. When you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith in him, when you commit to following Jesus, the first thing that God does is to justify you. And this is a law court term. God, the judge, is presiding over our lives. The evidence is in and we are guilty but God declares that we are righteous. God declares that we are in the right. He rules in our favor. He doesn't condemn us for our sin in the face of all of the evidence. And it's not because we've been faithful, but it's because of the faithfulness of Jesus. The world says you need to accept yourself. But God says you need me to forgive you. God says, and I accept you in Jesus. Man. And God justifies us as a gift. I mean, this is verse 24. We are justified by his grace as a gift. The verdict of righteous is a gift. And it has to be, right? Because we don't deserve it. And what this does, this gives us a relationship with God that is radically different. God doesn't tell us to get a little bit more. God doesn't tell us to try harder. What God says is that Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. We saw last week 
that God's righteousness is revealed through the faithfulness of Jesus. And so God is actively renewing the world. And what we're seeing here is that the first way that God makes the world right is to justify individual people who put their faith in Jesus. This is sort of the doorway into the family of God, the doorway into what God is doing, the doorway into the place, the realm, the kingdom of God, where God is operating, where God is working. And Jesus makes it clear to us that it has all been done, that God is satisfied, and God looks at you as though you are as faithful as Jesus. There was a book written in the 1600s called The Marrow of Modern Divinity by Edward Fisher. And I'm going to read you a quote that will make you think I'm preaching, but I'm just reading from a book. That's what he says. Since you have believed, you are now wholly under the gospel. No one can say to you now, do this duty and avoid this sin and God will justify you and save your soul. And if you don't, God will condemn and damn you. No, no, no. You who are justified are now set free from the commanding and condemning power of that covenant of works. God cannot, by the covenant of works, either require of you any obedience or punish you for any disobedience. No, he cannot give you an angry word or even show you an angry look. For he cannot see any sin in you. He cannot see any sin as a transgression of that covenant of works because you are justified and you are not under that covenant anymore. Therefore, even if you do transgress any or all of the Ten Commandments, yet you do not transgress the covenant of works because there is no such covenant between you and God any more. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? You're freaking out. You're like, wait a second. Are you saying that, wait, wait, nothing we do matter? Are you saying that we can, and it's not a bit, and God's not going to condemn? Are you, are you really saying that? Yes. And in fact, I'm not saying it, but God is saying it. God's voice is saying you are justified freely as a gift by his grace. You are justified. It's a gift. You don't earn it. You didn't do anything to get it. You don't do anything to keep it. You just believe in Jesus. Period. There's nothing else to say. Actually, wait, no, there's some more to say. Hold on. And therefore, back, I'm reading. I'm not preaching. I'm reading. If you ever hear such a voice from the Bible even, threatening hell and damnation to sinners and transgressors of the law, even if they are from the Bible, yet do not think they are spoken to you. No, no, the apostle assures you that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Believe it, God never threatens eternal death after he has given to a man or a woman eternal life. Amen. And if the law should come into your conscience and co-opt that voice that's inside your head and say, you have transgressed, you've broken me, and therefore you owe divine justice, and good works must be done and the commandments must be kept if you will obtain salvation, then this is what you say to that voice in your head. I am already saved before you came. 
And therefore, I have no need of your presence, for in Christ I have all things. I need nothing more that is necessary to justification. He is my righteousness. He is my treasure. He is my work. I confess, O law, that I am neither godly nor righteous, but yet this I am sure of, that he is godly and righteous for me. Friends, this is justification. It is by faith in Jesus, and it is by faith alone. This is the year 2017. We are celebrating the 500th anniversary of the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses on the door of Wittenberg and started the Protestant Reformation, bringing renewal to the Catholic Church. Friends, one of the things that he was so passionate about was this. He said, if the church ever stops preaching this, it stops being a church. One other thing to say to that voice, right? After you tell him, I confess, I'm not godly or righteous, but he is godly and righteous for me, say this. And to tell you the truth, O law, or O voice, I'm actually now with him in the bride chamber where it makes no matter what I am or what I've done, but what Christ, my sweet husband, is, has done, and does for me. We are married to Jesus. And he will not let us go. Friends, this is justification. This is the voice of God. You are forgiven and accepted and secure if you are holding on to Jesus. Let this voice take over Let this voice reign in your heart and in your mind. Let this voice echo and ring from the moment you wake up in the morning until you go to sleep. This this voice, this voice of justification has transformed our lives. It's transformed our church. I've got eight different testimonies of people that have talked about what this voice has done for them. I don't have time to go through all of them, but we've got more sermons that we're going to talk about. So there's more. So keep coming back. Um, Gosh, let me pick one. I mean, just here's someone I was struggling and feeling guilty like I wasn't good enough, but now I know Jesus has forgiven me and he has assuaged my guilt. That's someone in this church whose life has been changed by this gospel. Um, Gosh, I felt very convicted of my sins and faults. Jesus has shown me intense personal love, and now I have assurance in his sacrifice. I was self-condemned. I was never good enough, but the gospel has taught me that Jesus did everything for me. more to come, more to come. Aren't you sick of that voice in your head? Aren't you tired of letting that voice be your God? Let this verse, verse 24, replace that voice 
Let it replace that voice. The only way to silence that voice is to turn the volume up on the voice of God. Remind yourself of this verse and what it means. If you struggle, get someone else in your life group to remind you of this verse this week. Man. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for exposing the lies that we so often come to believe. Please replace the lie with your truth. Father, thank you. We, we, just, we wouldn't even trust ourselves to make something like this up. It sounds so ridiculous if you didn't tell us this. We would never have assurance that this could possibly be true. And so continue to rescue us from ourselves, from that voice. Help us to identify the lies in that voice and replace it with this truth, that you love us, that you accept us, that you have lived and died for us. Jesus, there are people here who haven't yet trusted you. That voice in their head is dominating their lives in different ways. Set them free. Help them confess that they've lived apart from you and your voice and commit their lives to you. And for, for those of us who are in your family, Jesus, help us. Help us not to believe the lie, but to rest secure and filled with joy in your voice and in your truth. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.